This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris. Welcome back to the podcast. There's two basic things that I want to talk about today. And that is Mike Pence and the rise of the modern vaudeville, this new age of Jerry Springer American politics. It's really amazing. Heading into election, you have to ask yourself, you know, what what are the politicians capable of now, this whole charade that's going on? I want to take a little dive back to uh, this whole idea of theater, how it's used in and how messaging gets uh, manipulated, and the whole history of it. I'm going to use Jerry Springer as an example to do that. It's really a fascinating story in many ways. Uh, And I'm going to talk about this Mike Pence story a second, because I see the comments floating around, and I have to tell you, it really raises a few questions about Mike Pence myself. Amazing that at one time I thought that Mike Pence could have been a great president, in fact, I thought at one time that maybe he would be a better choice than Trump. And boy, did I, th- I think that uh, that was wrong now. What a mistake. What a disappointment. Uh, I'll tell you why I'm, I'm saying that. I wanted to mention this little story, too. I don't know if you've heard this going around, and I, I haven't really even had a chance to think about how to verify it, really. But there's these reports that death rates have really increased. And this would be in vaccinated countries primarily, Israel, the United States, other countries. Uh, But specifically here, uh, this headline says, is it the shot deaths soaring in area with 95% COVID vaccination rate are COVID jabs directly responsible for skyrocketing deaths? Take the poll. Let me go back and see if... uh, I can get to the link. I can. And uh, Australia's state of Victoria, about 95% of the state's adults have received the COVID vaccines. Um, so far, Victoria's registered 32,000 deaths, which is about 20% above its average for the same eight-month period four years prior. COVID deaths have uh, spiked since the introduction of the vaccines. More than two-thirds of Victoria's COVID deaths have occurred in 2022. Pretty fascinating, really, when you think about it. So what's, what's the deal? Is it because COVID is killing more people that, for whatever reason, the way it's being handled? Or is it because of the vaccines, which would be the conspiracy theory, that the vaccines are causing people to die and we're seeing these increases in death rates? There's also theories out there. Uh, I see lots of, of very plausible, hard-to-verify stories of news anchors on live TV just keeling over and heart attacks and um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, uh, strokes and uh, professional athletes and just this long list, right? But I haven't really seen any real 
local practical evidence of that at all, actually. I haven't heard any stories that anybody I know that knows somebody that knows somebody. Nothing like that. No local broadcasters here. I haven't heard of any uh, mass problems with strokes or heart attacks or uh, anything else here locally. I guess a little bit, but uh, nothing really that you could really latch on to. I don't know. What are you seeing? Do you believe it? Is this all just scare tactic stuff? Is there an increase in deaths? Is it because of COVID? Is it all the stress that we've been under? I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, a matter of when the data was collected. Could be a lot of different things, I suppose. So, I don't know. Death rates are up. People are dying off. That's the, the main problem. White people, I guess, really. I don't know. They're killing us. That's the that's the goal, I guess. It's discussions like these. That's why I say I got to get some younger friends. Buddy of mine, I think I was telling you yesterday, stopped over Friday night. We were hanging out a little bit over the weekend. Did I tell you this? He says, yeah, I figure I, he's a little older than me. He's like, I got like 20 years left. I said, I looked at him. I said, this is why I need younger friends. And I sit here and talk about the end of, end of humanity, dying. It's just depressing. Maybe that's really the core of the problem, that just that the uh, aging population here, Russia, China, everybody's just depressed and <laughs> miserable. Not me. I'm going to go get some younger friends. That's why I'm excited about uh, being down at this gym. I can, I can already feel the excitement. <laughs> Young families. None of them want to talk to me. Of course, they just think I'm like some kind of creepy old guy, but... At least I can feel the vibe, you know? Better, better than talking about the end of humanity. Speaking of the end of humanity, Elon Musk, did you hear this? Uh, he plans to provide an open invitation to Democrats on his first SpaceX moon landing. Yeah, he, sa- he says he'll take any Democrats who want to go, he'll take them on the first SpaceX moon landing. And he said, yeah, once we get them to the moon, I was just going to leave them there. Good old Elon Musk. I'm not able to verify the accuracy of those statements, but here it is, right in the Democrat News Daily, a contradictory new outlet. There it is, right on the Internet. It has to be true. Elon Musk going to leave Democrats on the moon. That's probably racist on some level. That's probably uh, a threat to democracy, I would say, for God's sake. Is it not? You're going to just leave our, our incredible leadership? <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if, if like, Nancy Pelosi got stuck in Taiwan? You're like, oh, no. <laughs> you touched her last. She was with you last. That's it. We're done. I don't know. It'd be ni- wouldn't it wouldn't be nice if it was that easy. So let's talk about Mike Pence for a second. So the conspiracy theory that's running around, um, what do I define as a conspiracy theory? I don't know. What am I, Webster over here? The conspiracy theory is that why isn't Mike Pence being investigated? Everybody else in Trump's orbit is being investigated, charged, raided, locked up, throw away the key, slandered in the media, drugged through the mud, sent in front of an international tribunal, forced into Ukraine <laughs> as their children taken away. It's, just, it's endless, really. Uh, the onslaught, the the political uh, attack on conservatives, it's really over the top, to say the least. 
so why is it that Mike Pence is to, has completely unscathed from all that? No investigations? Oh, he was down there talking to the January 6th committee. So what's the deal? Is, is Mike Pence Judas? Is, is that the allegation that somehow Pence is the, uh, you know, the insider that's the one that's causing all this trouble for Trump from the inside? Do you really believe that? Liberals, Trump-hating liberals, they would say, well, he's just, he's a decent guy, he's honest, and, you know, as long as he was honest and didn't do anything wrong, then he didn't have any problems. You see that? Indeed, indeed. And that really does raise a question. I think, who's I listening to? I think it was on No Agenda. They were talking about the Steve Bannon criminal probe into the uh, the money that was raised for the border wall. And it seems to me that there's some pretty legitimate questions about all that. Was the money squandered the same way that the Black Lives Matter money was squandered? Sure kind of seems to look like it. I don't see any evidence of any wall being built with this money. They say, well, no, it was a political action group and the money was spent in that way. Oh, really? The people who were donating the money, did they know that or were they tricked? But nobody's going to help you if you're tricked. So let's stick with the subject for a second. You know, what's going on with Mike Pence? Well, uh, you know, let me just say this in in terms of wrapping up my feelings on Mike Pence. There was a time I had an incredible respect for Mike Pence and his stoic nature, his uh, gifted speaking very just a you know solid political guy, and I, I think I would still say that despite everything. But then there's the issue of January sixth with him certifying the vote, and if it didn't matter, then it shouldn't have mattered that he did it or he didn't, and he shouldn't have done it either way, in my opinion. I think it was a mistake. And Doctor Oz comes out and says that he would have also certified the vote. Fascinating to me. I don't believe so. I think that the the stop should have been put on that election. There should have been a massive do-over with with massive oversight, probably by the military. There was talks of it, if you remember. Mike Pence didn't have the guts to stay with the plan. He, He bowed down. And I lost a lot of respect for him in that. I really did. Uh, the, 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 the democracy was hanging. The buck stopped with him. And he let us down, in my opinion. Now, you know, liberals who, who say, well, election denier and, uh, you know, Mike Pence did the right thing and he's an honorable, decent guy. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be the other side of that, right? I wonder how he feels about it. We don't really, you know, hear from him. Do I think it should be the end of him politically? Yes. I think that that moment should be the end of Mike Pence politically. I think it largely is. Nobody really wants to talk to him. And I think that's maybe that's why they haven't attacked him, just because he. I don't see him coming back to the, the Trump campaign at all. Not likely. I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't know what how Trump feels about it. Uh, I don't know what Mike Pence has to say about all this. So why isn't he being investigated? Well, that could be reason number one. Like I said, that, that there's really no political value to doing it because Mike Pence is already out. 
they're not investigating and raiding people that used to work for Trump or that, you know, you know, who was that girl that wrote the book? And hey, if they've already smeared Trump, they're often clear. Those are the those are the smart ones. The people that got out early, took the book deals, pocketed a couple million on their way out, thumbed their nose at Trump. Yeah, why not? You know, every you know, so this is the world we live in. You know, just pure selfishness. They don't care. They don't care who, who what happens to the country. So then the other thing with Mike Pence that I'll say is this: that I think is the more likely scenario. I don't think he's some kind of Judas or some kind of insider. I do. I think he's probably cooperated with the FBI, probably because he's that kind of guy. However, I do still do believe that Mike Pence is pretty smart. And I think he would know how to handle a situation like that. He doesn't easily get bullied into saying things that he shouldn't, which is kind of what seems to have happened to Mike Flynn. If Mike Flynn, if General Flynn would have just shut up, I don't know that he would have ever found himself in the predicament that he was. For some reason, some of these people go in there and they want to start yakety yak, yak, yak. And I think Mike Pence probably just simply said, look, I, I certified the vote. And uh, I did everything I could to stop the, the protest. End of story. That's all he really needs to say. But, you know, people want to keep talking and saying things, and then it doesn't add up later on down the line, and uh, yada, yada, yada. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe he is an insider. What do you have to say about it? Leave me a message at ChristopherScottShow.com. What's your take on the Mike Pence thing? Does it matter at this point? I don't know, maybe to the extent that he does or he doesn't have a, a political future, but I don't see that it matters a whole lot. I find it kind of fascinating. I brought it up because there's this you know thing whipping around on Gab, you know, why isn't Mike Pence being investigated? And it, it's a, it is a legitimate question, but I'm not so sure that it points to some nefarious origin. Just my two cents. And, I, you know, who knows if we'll ever really know. How could you? All right. Let's talk about this rise of the modern vaudeville. And really what I refer to as the Jerry Springer Nation. Have you ever heard me talk about that? It's been a long time since I've talked about, talked about this. And I was going through some of my old archives. Five years worth now. Thousands and thousands. Tens of thousands Probably hundreds of thousands of words that I wrote in the course of the podcast, and I've I've kind of pondered this. I don't do I don't write anymore the way I used to early in the podcast. I don't really need to, at least not in the same way. The podcast has evolved a little bit. The way I deliver it has evolved a little bit, and maybe that's good. Maybe it's bad. Maybe it's both. Maybe a combination would be better. I don't know. But either way, I was going back and looking through some of this information, I thought, you know, this is really something that really needs to be discussed again. And, you know, for me, this podcast, this five years now, we just finished the five-year anniversary, uh, the journey that I've gone through with it has been the journey of the country, right? It's not just my story or the story of the podcast. It's our story. And it's kind of interesting what's documented there. And I don't remember when it was initially, but it was pretty early on, maybe even within the first six months. And I looked at everything. I said, this is like at the, the, the Jerry Springer show, watching what's going on in politics. And 
I think it was around that time that somehow I became aware of something called vaudeville. Have you ever heard of the vaudeville? Vaudeville, how do I describe it? You could look into it. There were these shows. Uh, you could almost think of it like America's Got Talent, you know, 100 years ago before you know, TV and, and some of the uh, editing and polishing, but kind of along the same thing. Some of it was uh, raunchy, uh, sometimes um, you know, pornographic or, or – uh, well, I forget. What would the, not pornographic necessarily – they had the uh, the peanut gallery. Have you ever heard the term the peanut gallery? That was something that came out of the vaudeville. It was the cheap seats. Uh, the people that sat in front, they would throw peanuts, I guess, at the acts that they didn't like. There would be bits of racism. Barnum and, uh, I guess, as, as part of the circus, had like a vaudeville uh, input or, or influence, I should say. I don't know all the history, but it was these these shows, and it was basically just a bunch of nonsense, really, right? Like one of them was, um, was all kinds of stuff. But a guy would drink molten lead and spit out coins. And, right? I guess people, this was entertainment back in the day. People would go to see it, and you know, there there's like a <clears throat> a perfect analogy for how we view the government, right? Drinking. You know, magically drinking molten lead and spitting out coins to the people. <laughs> Magical government. There's a great analogy in itself. But as I saw all this, I saw and it was like and it was this mob hysteria. That was the other big part of it that I, I, I it caught me. And I've been watching this go on for five years. It's matured a little bit. It really has. Uh, but if you remember the show, let me just take a little bit into the Jerry Springer show a little bit. Do you remember the show? Do you remember whether does anybody remember the Jerry Springer show? It was always like uh, somebody's brother was having a baby with like their best friend, or you know, crazy, <laughs> and they're like, "We're gonna do a DNA test." And they're like, "Oh God!" And then they find out it was like the other brother, <laughs> and everybody's shocked. When you think about it, like you couldn't not if 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 it happened across if you happen to cross paths with the Jerry Springer show, you like you couldn't look away, and I think that was like the the thing with the vaudeville, right? It was like so over the top. You're like, is that guy drinking molten metal and spitting out coins? <laughs> is that really happening? You know, or like there was one I saw a guy with his teeth was like holding up a rack with like three women on it. Like, <laughs> And walking around like that, you think, wow, that's that's really amazing. Is that really possible? A lot of that is what we see demonstrated today as well. But anyway, uh, if you remember back, if, if you came from that era, maybe you do, uh, talk shows and TV talk shows I'm talking about. You had radio talk shows prior to that. And I was listening to those as a kid. But TV talk shows became popular with the Phil Donahue era. You remember that guy, that putz? I shouldn't even say that. I don't know. Uh, I remember thinking he was a putz when I was younger. Who knows? I don't know, is he still around? I don't know. But he was a weird duck. Phil Donahue. Good old Phil Donahue. With the with the bowl cut and the, and his head pushed forward, Right. And he had the microphone, and I don't know. And then it, it was Phil Donahue 
that laid the groundwork that gave rise to Oprah Winfrey. Now, I don't know if that's exactly the correct way to say that, but that's essentially what happened. And what? who were they hitting? They were hitting the daytime viewers that um, after work, after school market of stay-at-home moms and moms that were home when the kids got home. And it was a big market there. Um but, you know, most of that stuff back then, Phil Donahue, it was mostly clean. Some of it was a little uh, informative, right? It was, you know, where they would dig into the deep feelings and, you know, you, she went through a, a divorce and the drama and Oprah was doing her things with the books and the, you know, the giveaways and, you know, they, they, they developed into that, right? But it was, it was relatively decent stuff, I think. I don't know. I didn't watch this stuff. But I think it was mostly mostly decent stuff. And then comes Jerry Springer. And, you know, the whole set list that he offered ranged from It's Not My Baby to, you know, He Slept With My Sister. And it was it's just garbage. And then most of the shows, if you remember, they erupted into some kind of brawl, some kind of bizarre brawl, like with midgets, you know, flying through the air at each other and uh, attacking, you know, the audience. I don't know. It's nuts. Anybody with three brain cells, um, you know, watch that kind of stuff and realize that it was just absolute garbage. Garbage. Total nonsense garbage. I guess like the vaudeville. And just like the vaudeville was popular, so was Jerry Springer. The guy had millions of viewers with that nonsense. What does that tell you? And this wasn't that long ago. You want to say, oh, the good old the era, 40, 50 years ago. Really? That's, this is what was going on. Do, 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 do. People, you know, smoking cigarettes. And uh, watching Jerry Springer, I don't know, millions of people. The whole, the whole basis of the show was just mudslinging, yelling, accusations, uh, trash talk, kind of like what we see now in the social media news feeds. And I think what maybe what Jerry Springer revealed is what how people really talk <laughs> or would really like to talk. And it's not much different than listening to how the politicians talk. What was there that came around recently? I think it was Ocasio-Cortex. They were talking about how she was recruited. Do you remember that story? The whole documentary on that? Yeah, she was crafted. She was made. I'm not going down that whole path. But, uh, you know, if you look at Jerry Springer and the rise to that and where we are now with the ingraining of it in in the form of Social media, we basically evolved as a society to become a bunch of idiots, more or less. I mean, as a percentage, how many people do you think can think on a on a reasonably intelligent basis, at least when it comes to social and government issues? Everything out there, it's been reduced to one sentence, sound bites, memes, accusations, and name-calling. What kind of way is it this to approach things? Where are we headed with it? I actually think that... Uh, it is really time that we, we reverse course on the way we're communicating. I really do. I don't know if I can do it myself, to be honest with you. You know you know how I am. I say that because I'm relatively calm right now, but the minute something gets in my crawl 
And you got people saying stupid things or doing stupid things, making stupid decisions that are going to affect all of us in a big way, and then we got to live with it. And, you know, I get upset. That's, uh, that's the problem. But I think that we got to communicate things differently. Be almost like Mike Pence in the stoic nature that way, just very stoic and firm. Oh, you know, uh, abortion is, is a right. It, you can call it whatever you want. I'm not paying for it. Plain and simple. Do what you got to do, but I'm not paying for it. I'm not paying for it in my health care premiums. I'm not paying for it in my taxes. And, you know, whatever, if you expect me to respect your position, then you need, you need to respect mine. And that's what has made this country capable of surviving as a melting pot, that, that respect for individual liberty. And if that goes away, everything goes away. And, and so the people on the, on the Roe v. Wade side, they say, exactly. Respect for individual liberty, that it's the woman that makes a decision. Okay, then respect that you shouldn't be forcing other people to pay for it. And this is really where the issue lies. But the, it's the lawyers, the politicians, the, the people that put on these vaudeville presentations that they call the news, the Jerry Springer show, politics, all the, this name-calling and... Um, where are we going with it? What does it accomplish? If you step back and you look at the viewpoints of Americans, you'd say, man, uh, there's really two very different ideologies going on here. One, you know, if you look at it, if you look at either at their extreme, one seems plainly evil and the other seems uh, plainly um, legalistic in its ideology, right? If you're viewing it from the eyes of a liberal. And we get pitted against each other with that, right? It's a, when, when we talk about abortion, for example, it's, we, we compare, you know, the left says, you know, and, and Mastriano wants to make it so that if you get raped, you can't get an abortion. But that's not how most Republicans think. And I'm not even really sure he's saying that at this point after having some consideration on that. Isn't that amazing? On the other hand, then you're comparing it to the people that want to, like, basically offer abortions to every expectant mother. You know, you don't have to keep the baby. And the reality is that nobody really wants that either. Maybe a few sickos. But either way, it, this, this anger, angst, this way of communicating that seems to, I don't know, come out of COVID, it's not healthy. And whatever your politics... Uh, whatever you believe, you have to agree on one thing. And that is that we just can't seem to agree on much of anything. And we're going to have to figure out a way to talk through that. You look at the headlines, you look at the social media, what do you see? Everything's very black and white, there's no gray. Healthcare, or, or abortion is a right, or else. And if you don't agree with that, there's nothing, no room for compromise. Opinions that are absolute for uh, little or no room for reason. And that, that's really something that I've pointed out. It's that unreasonable people, dealing with unreasonable people, I don't care what you label yourself, Democrat, Republican, or something else, it's unreasonable. What does that lead to? Conflict. Why is that? Why is the country so polarized? Why can't we agree on anything? How did we become enemies with each other? I'll tell you why. Because there's a little game going on. And it's not a secret, but most people aren't really aware of the, what's going on exactly or they get caught up in it. 
It's this little game of, of tit for tot, tat. It's the politicians, it's the unions, it's big corporations with their advertising, it's the media playing this little game. And they do it in all sorts of ways, uh, inciting anger. Uh, I, I think that the Democrats, it's a large part of what they're doing is uh, saying things that they know are, are going to be perceived, right? It's like the Trump way of doing it. I'm going to say this, you know, no no baby should ever be aborted. And you know you say that, that it's just going to go roaring through the, the liberal uh, pro-abortion side of things, right? How dare he? Oh, ha. <laughs> Trump losing uh, uh, with with su- suburban women because of his hard line. I'm just using this by way of example. And then a week later, it's like, well, in certain circumstances, uh, and then the you know the hardline Catholics are ah, <laughs> everybody just it's just from one emotional breakdown to another. That's the news cycle. Sometimes uh, more than one going on at one time. Nobody has any idea what's really going on. You know, it's like watching Jerry Springer at this point. You have no idea whose parents are who to what kids. But it's the way it's being communicated now with the personal attacks, the lies, the deceptions. Whatever happened to a healthy debate? You know, what, what What happened or why is it happening? What changed? I remember uh, back when the Jerry Springer show came out. I think it was about 1991. And I give him credit for ingenuity because there was really not, nothing like it before it started. Nobody had the guts to try anything like that. But uh, I think that there was people like myself, our family, who just looked at it like it was garbage. Uh, but it, it still... Uh, made a big break. He started, I think, his very first show. He slid down a stripper pole to open the show. That was the opening, right? At least Howard Stern. Uh, Howard Stern is trashy, but he's funny, he's smart. Jerry Springer, just absolute garbage. Just raunchy. Pure, pure raunch. That was the whole purpose of it. And he does it. Jerry Springer does it, right? This is the Howard Stern era Right, Howard Stern was raunchy too, but Howard Stern he kept it where there was like a, a level of intelligence with it, a little bit. You know, he he always overdid the flatulence thing. I just got tired of it, even when I was younger, and I never understood the daily, uh, you know, discussion of that. But Jerry Springer compared to Howard Stern, Jerry Springer was a new level of raunchy and a new level of stupid, really. And he does it, and guess what happens? The show takes off. Ratings go through the roof. It was so crazy that the other talk shows had to revamp their shows to improve the ratings. I'm not kidding. And I'll tell you, uh, this is where Oprah Winfrey gets some credit. She kind of stayed her line. And I'm not a big fan of Oprah Winfrey, but she didn't bow down. She wasn't having strippers on and illegitimate children and and whatever the case might be to try and create some kind of... sensationalized drama-ridden show. She stayed true to some kind of a higher level uh, of integrity. And Jerry Springer viewers wasn't even a consideration. You think that the people uh, that watch that kind of thing are people of values or even care enough? People of character? I'm not seeing it. I'm not trying to be 
you know, to judge. Maybe you watch it. You say, I don't know. You know I, like, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't think the people that are watching that kind of thing are, are thinking on a philosophical level. I really don't. I basically, I've just to say it directly, it's an audience of total losers, a huge audience. And if you don't know, Jerry Springer, he's a lawyer and a politician carrying on like that. Really uh, amazing when you think about it. A lawyer and a politician producing the Jerry Springer show, sliding down a stripper pole to open his, uh, to debut his career. Amazing. What political party would you guess, if you had to guess, you think, uh, He's a, he's a conservative. <laughs> Guess what political party Jerry Springer is. One thing you can't deny, uh, it's that that type of talk has become popular, the way of talking. What does it tell you? If he's putting it out there and people are consuming it, and things like The View I put in the same category, maybe not in terms of the raunchiness, but in terms of the low IQ level that it's appealing to, and so many people are dialing into that. What does it tell you? Even uh, Hannity, and not to pick on Hannity, I, you know, I consider myself, a, I guess, a fan of Hannity. But his show, if you ask me, it just really dumbed down. I don't like that term. I usually say simplify, but that's not really the case. Dumbed down repetition, right? They're still talking about Russia collusion and Clinton emails and it's like oh man oh man it's like it's like those friends that you have that are still talking about high school and you're like listen man I had a really don't remember high school I've moved on from that like 35 years ago I don't know but what does it tell you when when something like Jerry Springer that method of doing things so popular that it's what people want or at least what they think that they want and now we've got 30 years of this Jerry Springer nonsense. And I'm just using this as a metaphor, if you understand. But look at what's happened over decades of this, the politics, the news, the social media. You know, for somebody who, who wants to be popular, for somebody who wants to be an influencer, for somebody who wants to get their name out there, and look at what they've uh, had to, to see as being, having paved the way. All of it has turned into one giant Jerry Springer show, and you're either in the show or you're in the audience. And guess what? Can't get away from it, really. I don't know. Am I saying that it's Jerry Springer's fault for everything? No, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that it's a symbol. Jerry Springer is a symbol of uh, American lunacy. And, you know, who you have to ask... Who benefits and how by people being so divided on opinions? All right? It, it's like the divorce. The divorce lawyers do not make a penny from happy, successful marriages. You know, if, if a smart divorce lawyer, you know, you'd offer uh, uh, counseling and divorce services. Like, hey, we can give it a try with the counseling. If it doesn't work out, we'll take you <laughs> to the divorce side. But that's not what happens. You know, even trying to get through a divorce. You ever been through a divorce? The divorce lawyer never starts off by saying, let's talk about how we can settle this quickly. I never heard that conversation take place. And it's the same thing in, in politics. They, they, you know, they, 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 it's a little game they play, right? The wife's attorney writes a letter. Oh, did, did not uh, failed to, uh, 
or did not on this or negligent and and then what happens all of a sudden oh dad's upset now the lawyer's got to write a response and well it's the exact same doggone thing in politics look at this whole trump thing with the documents you know who's paying for all these lawyers we pay for all of it like one giant jerry springer show one giant divorce the, the lawyers, the politicians, they're barely indistinguishable. And who they actually represent, well, why do you think that uh, this little charade goes on? I don't know. The elections being questioned. How do we come together as a country? How are we supposed to be united when we feel like we're, our elections are being ripped off? And, and don't tell me that it's a, a, a right-wing, crazy Republican thing. Because a couple of years ago, it was the Democrats that weren't happy with the elections. And can you blame them? How many elections are, are decided in court? Why is that? How, how is it that you're supposed to come together on any other issue when you can't cast a simple, basic vote and think that the outcome is going to be fair? Because there's this divide and, and conquer mentality. just a little game being played out against us. We're being pitted against each other. And I think it's just really a, um, a byproduct of a cheap effort to gain support, that they, has to, they have to create an enemy, right? There has to be an enemy to, to create unity. You know, none of these issues, these topics, are things that people wake up in the morning and excited to talk about. Hey, let me, uh, let's talk about criminal justice reform. I'm sure hope after work today I'm going to get an opportunity to, to discuss criminal justice and, and crime and taxes. That should be an exciting way to end the day. Nobody thinks like that. And I don't think it's the cause, but they create these enemies and these boogeymen. And in some cases it's true. I mean, we've really gotten a taste of, of all the talk that I heard as a child growing up. The liberal creep. You know, you give up a little of the rights today and you wake up tomorrow and it's gone. And here we are, 50 years of that later, and it's happened. You know, what's happening today is is barely uh, a reflection of the America that I remember as a child. It really is. There was a lot of division in the 70s. The 60s was horrible. The the liberals tried then for a, a violent push then with the pipe bombs and the um, remember that with all these these liberal organizations around the world wreaking havoc with the car bombs and the pipe bombs, and there was this this violent attempt to push the the world uh, more to the left, and it largely worked for that and many other reasons. And the borrowing of money and the debt continued to grow, and the rights continued to be eroded. eroded. Um, but I think that. Um, I think that it's the people that carry out these acts that are the most dangerous, whether it's the people working in the FBI or people working within campaigns or, in many cases, the lawyers who do these dirty deeds that they know to be illegal, unconstitutional, morally wrong. And somehow they continue to put these things out there. They continue to deceive people. And particularly with the, the, the help of the media, with the help of the, the TV, the cable news, 
They've gotten really good at making things look authentic that are not authentic at all. They've gotten really good at fooling people. That's the, the bottom line. The level of deceit at this point is unparalleled in human history, the way good people are being fooled. But at the same time, there's a great awakening. God willing, I hope to be back tomorrow. I sure hope to see you there. In the meantime, make it a great day.